Here's a dilemma for you. Last week, we had the most popular radio show and podcast we've ever had by far. Downloads dwarf anything we've ever done. What do you do next? In this case, you book Jasper Mirable Jr. as your guest. All I can say about today's show is wow. Sit back and enjoy. And remember, this is a podcast presentation of a live radio show. Well, good morning and welcome to Kansas City Food Memories where we take you on a stroll down memory lane and reflect back on some of our favorite restaurants from the 1980s and 90s that are no longer here. And I got to tell you, all the listeners out here, that this is a surreal moment for me. If you'd have told me nine months ago that I'd be sitting in a studio with the legendary Toby Tobin and being... Uh. Oh, no, you are. Remember, I gave you a choice, you know, and you chose legendary, so... (laughs) I, remember, I had you pick between iconic or legendary, and you said you prefer legendary. Is that what I said after yeah. I had one of your cream puffs <laughs> and I was... <laughs> and the only way I can make that better is today I have joining me Jasper. Only one name is all you need. Welcome, Jasper. I am honored to be here, my friend. I have not missed one of your shows. I'll be honest with you. Oh, we everybody knows, because I, I usually read your text. You always have something constructive and helpful that fills in the gaps. you got to have someone bothering you during the show, oh, don't you? Yeah. Other than Toby. Toby, yeah. I am honored to be here with you also. Well, thank you. You I'm know, honored. I don't miss your show. I like to call in. i got problems <laughs> with one of my trees still in the bark, and I heard something this morning, but I've called you before about that. Yes, you have. You probably have 80 years' experience between the two of you. How about it? Isn't that crazy? But I just make I just make meatballs for a living. Yeah. Look at this man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I, first of all, I'm going to apologize. I didn't know I could bring food into the studio. I thought every week you guys are just kidding. Give me that cream puff. Give oh, me some no. of that pork. Oh, we don't joke about seriously. Food. I didn't know I I would. So I owe you all. Can I please come back? All right. I will come back and I will. I I brought Dana and you know and food before here. But I always have to leave it out in the studio out oh. there, you know. And I, well, I didn't like come inside here with it. Yeah, mm. mom and dad aren't here on weekends. We do anything we want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that, my friend. Yes. Yeah. Well, good. Well, you know, it's um, so last week's show on pork tenderloins was absolutely insane. I went back and, and looked at it between emails, texts, social media, and the show. We had over a thousand people give me feedback on pork tenderloins. Are you serious? No, I w- that was absolutely well, crazy. That's hardly any. Oh yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no other show in town that could generate yeah. that much on yeah. one topic. Yeah, I know. I went to one, and it was a six block wait. <laughs> well, I had I had to go do what you did, talking about that. So uh-huh. I even went next door at my own in my own building. Oh yeah, Jerry's, and had yeah. a pork tenderloin I heard there that's on really Wednesday. Good it was yes. really good. Yeah, a little bit thicker, you know. But yeah. and I had Paul's. Yep, and the owner of Paul's was in there night for dinner, thanking me. Good. He said, "You all see how many people you you guys sent over." I said, "Well, that's that's yeah, what it's all about." Yeah, we so. talked about them. I think I put Paul's in my top uh, top six local ones that are still around. Look at this list you yeah. have. Well, I, I, no, um, Paul's I put on number one on the on the second tier. No kidding. Yeah. So you know the the big three the the message for everybody the big three are Kitty's Cafe in Midtown, Christie's Tasty Queen over in Turner area. And then Christine's Firehouse up in North Kansas City. And those are three you And abs- Sandy's. Yep. And th- yeah, so those three you absolutely must have. Then the two you really should try are be Sandy's and then PT's. Mm-hmm. And then I then I, I put everybody else because, I mean, those 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 five were in the top tier. Then the next one was the Paul's with the drive-in. So I have this put together. So just go to makethemsmile.com. That's the website for the bakery best regards, best regards that makes this whole show possible. My wife and I, we finance this show so we can have a whole hour uninterrupted to talk about these things. 
And so it's uh, so just go uh, make them smile.com. You'll see the flyer, print that out, or just come to the bakery. I have um, these printed up on cardstock so you can carry these in your car and do your studies. Well, so let's get to the meat and the material. Um, we have a phone line, but I don't, don't know if we're going to have time to take calls today, but the text line will be open. The phone number is 913-586-7798. If you have any questions or comments, you can text that in. And I'll also print these off, and if you have any questions or comments for Jasper, I'll uh, print those off and pass those on to him. Jasper, this, I got to tell you, there's two things I want to say I want uh, up front to you. I think that you've done more for the restaurant scene in Kansas City than any other single person. And I did the math on this. You've done uh, 900 shows, radio shows. 906, but go ahead. 912, <laughs> when I did the math. And, so, and, and in, in those 906 shows, you've done over 3,000 spots on local restaurants. Thank you, sir. And it's just, um, and I got to tell you, so the other thing that I put on there is on one of the posts, social media posts I put on there, I compared you to Travis Kelsey. I know some people got, got a little. Uh, yeah, he got a little upset. But that's good because you know what? People are reading that that means. Yeah. It's but, like the other person said they weren't going to listen. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you must yeah. be listening right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello. But the one that was upset, I wasn't sure if he thought I was insulting you or, or Kelsey. But I, I want to explain that. And I told him, I said, listen to what my reasoning on this. And so. A lot of restaurants are really independent. You know, you fight for themselves, and they don't really worry about the other people. But what makes Travis Kelsey so amazing as a football player, there's a lot of individual athletes that are great performers, and they worry about themselves. Travis elevates everybody on the team. You know, I've, I've heard stories that, you know, when somebody's having a bad day or something like that, he goes to them, elevates them on a day-to-day basis on the practice field, he tries to make everybody everybody better. You look at the other tight ends, he truly mentors them. You look at football stars at other teams, they don't do that. It's like, why? And they, they'll say, why should I train my replacement? And he doesn't. He doesn't worry about that. He helps everybody that's around him. And what you do, Jasper, that really makes a difference is that when you do these spotlights on the different th- over 3,000 businesses, when you don't do big national change, you do little independence one-offs like, like us. And when we're on your show and we talk to you, we could be having the worst week in the world as a small business, which is absolutely brutal, you know, as if you're going to own a restaurant. And we feel like we're on top of the world. We feel like we're the best at what we do and that success is inevitable. That's what you do for us. Thank you. And, you know, I have to say uh, myself, it's just not it's not about me. I mean, yes, the name is Jasper. I carry on the legacy from my father back to 1954. But you know what? It's all about a team with me. Uh, I say Team Jasper. Uh, it's all about myth, Morabli in the house. There's always a Morabli in our restaurant. But it's also about looking at the little guy because you know what? We're very successful. We are lucky at Jasper's. We really are. 1954, 70 years going on in business, and we're still there, still sold out almost every night of the week. Still doing my cooking classes, still doing, you know, the experiences and the supper clubs and doing the TV and the radio. But there's a reason I get to do that. It's because everybody behind me, yeah, my brother Leonard, my nephews, my great nephews who run the restaurant today also. You know, they're there every day. Harvey in the kitchen, Lawrence in the kitchen, the bartenders, Julie at the hostess stand, all the servers. Even, you know, when, when someone is sick in the family, you know, I'm concerned. When one of my employees is sick, one of their family members are sick, or someone passes away. I just got a text this morning on the way here about uh, an employee's uh, family, who, someone who passed away. 
I get upset about it also because I'm with these people every day of my life. I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, I'm home 12 hours a day, 11 hours a day. I see my wife a little bit at that time, but I'm with these people every day. If my wife yeah. and the, my daughter, they wanted to see me, they, they come down to eat at the restaurant. Yeah. So it's all to me, it's all about family. But I also look out for the little guy because I know what a struggle it was in 1984 when I opened up with my family, Marco Polo's on 75th and Mornell. It was not like Jasper's yeah. opening that place up. And for one year, I struggled, and I didn't let anybody know. Kept a good front, you know, outside, you know, laughing and talking to everybody. And then I put those grilled sausages outside. People found out about us, and oh, yeah. it hit. But it takes, you know, it, I could have given up easily and gone back to Jasper's and worked over there. But I wanted to start something and bring something new to Man. Kansas City, and it worked. So, But it wasn't because of me, though. It was because of the team behind you. Right. You know, there's so many people that, especially in restaurants, because you got a lot of fierce individuals, they view restaurant business as being a zero-sum game. <laughs> and what that means is that they think that if if you succeed, it's at my expense. Exactly. And that's not the case. You know, th- in our show, Toby, we've talked about this, about how vibrant of a food scene we have here in Kansas City. And I think it's unlike any other market. And it's, and it's because we have people like you, Jasper, you know, and, and a lot of people that really look out for the neighbors and try to help everybody out. And that's the point I was making with Travis Kelsey. You know, he could pad his own stats. He could go somewhere and make even more money. But that's not what he wants to do. He's worried about the legacy that he's leaving here in Kansas City. You know, I'll never forget what my father told me. You have to love what you do. Yeah. If you don't like this business, he never said if it's too hot, get out of yeah. the kitchen. But think about it. Yeah. And if you wake up one morning and you don't enjoy what you do, then stop doing it. Yeah. And that never has hit me. I tell my wife that every day. I'm going out. Here I go. I'll see you in a little while. I got to go make a million dollars, just like my dad used to yeah. say. I have to go to work every day because, you know what? I have a lot of people depending on me. But also, there's other restaurateurs in town who maybe don't have it as good. You know, they don't have the best location. But they're really trying out there. And they're yeah. really trying to get their name out there. And you know what? I'm, I'm a little successful. I'm not, that's not an ego talking. So I have a little more time to devote myself to say, hey, I love to give back to the community. Yeah. And that's my way of giving back to people. And, I, and I'm, I'm here to tell you it's appreciated. Thank you. So sir. I want to talk about your mom and your dad Aww. in just a minute. But there's something else that I wanted to share, too, because I've, I've been thinking about. But I'm eating this cream puff while we're talking. <laughs> yeah. You see, you're looking at me. I don't yeah. care. So I, I, I don't know if you were listening that, that when I had Jim. Oh, Jim Eddy said, tell oh, you hello. Of course. Come on, Mr. Eddie. Yeah. We love him. Are so you serious? The first time he was on, Marilyn May called in and for, for half an hour. She was my neighbor across the street from me. I oh, grew really? up. Sure. Well, she told one story that, that meant a lot to me, and um, she was talking about that. You know, she does a master class on singing, sure. and she mentors a lot of people, and she said the number one lesson she tries to teach them is that when you're singing on stage, you sing with your eyes open. She said because when you, for these, these singers that sing with their eyes closed, they're only singing for themselves. And she goes, that's not right. She said if you want to sing for the people, you keep your eyes open and you look at them and understand that you are singing for them. The reason that's important to me and why I bring it up now is that in a lot of markets you have, and and can't say he's like everybody else, you have a lot of chef-driven restaurants and concepts where they think that the number one thing that they have to offer is their products, their their, their art that they create, and they have rules, and they do not accept any changes to those dishes. They're in the back of the house. They're not up front meeting their customers. They are the artists that are singing with their eyes closed. 
you know, and the one thing that you do, and I, because I, I've watched you, I study you in other places, and I try to learn from the best, your, your, your story you, uh, that you just mentioned a little while, while ago, always a mirable in the house, you know, so that the way you operate your business is that you sing with your eyes open. So tell, tell us a little bit about why you do that, how much that means, the difference it makes. Well, you know, there's nothing better than walking into the dining room at 5 o'clock, seeing the packed house, and knowing, hey, you know what? It's here. But you know what? That's only the beginning of the show. And because I want to see my customers with a smile on their face, just like your website, just mm-hmm. like the name of your website. Mm-hmm. But more than that, I want to see people happy. I want to see them enjoying their dinner, forgetting everything that they had before they walked in the door. I tell our services every single week the definition of the word restaurateur. The definition of the word restaurant, it has a Latin meaning. It comes from the word restore. And that's what we do. It's our job to restore you when you come in. Immediately get you something to drink. Get you a glass of water, even if it's a glass of water. It may be 100 degrees out. Get a cocktail right away. I don't like saying this in front of people. I'm not putting anybody down, but put a pacifier in their mouth, just like you do a child. And then you see that smile come on. And then you serve them that first dish, and you look at them eating that lobster cappuccino or the shrimp lavernese. And you say, hey, you know what? It's working. And then to get a compliment at the end of the night after working 12, 14 hours. But my only thing is, yes, it's great to have all that, but how about the guys in the back who don't get to hear that? So I go back there constantly and tell them, we just got a compliment on the lavernese. It said it's better than it was 40 years ago. You know, something like that. Or, hey, Shorty, Shorty's been with us. He's the grill man for, I got... 38 years now, I said, Shorty, they love the tiramisu just now. You did it perfect. The plate is decorated just perfect because you have to compliment them also. Because if you don't, you know, they got to be comfortable also with you. Right. So not only your customers, but also your family, but also your staff. And that's what it's all about. And I, I never say, you know, well, you know, this didn't go right. That didn't go right. Yeah, if there's a problem, we make notes of it right. during the week. You have a meeting and you try to correct it right away. Hey, we're not 150% every no. single. We try to be. But that, you know that's, what? That's life. We all you make mistakes. You can make up yeah. for that, though. Yeah. You really can. And you know what? Sometimes something may be overcooked or maybe you maybe you did a dish wrong. Hey, you know, you go back, you take care of the customer, and you make sure that they are happy before they walk out that door. Yeah. Because today, people seriously, and Toby, you probably know this also, they're, they're ready to criticize right away. People come in, and here you are. You're on a pedestal. I mean, I'm not going to lie. You know, and they come in, they have these high expectations. Well, it makes you a target. You have to be yeah. you have to be prepared for that. And yeah. you better give them something because, you know, they're paying and they're coming back. Yeah. And Jasper, you, you, you make one mistake. What's that? Already. Sir? I'm you eating the cream puff while we're talking. No, you mentioned tiramisu and there's no tiramisu. No, I'm embarrassed right now. I'm I'm gonna make up for this guy. No. I'm not lying to you. Oh, keep keep track. That's not gonna be the first <laughs> reference Toby's gonna give you. I've I've learned my lesson with that. All right, Jasper, tell me, um, what is Lucky Tavern? <laughs> Who is that? I'm eating a cream puff. Yeah. The Lucky Tavern. How do you find out about that? Oh, I, I have my sources. That was what, my who? papa. Yeah. That's Leonardo. That's Nardu. My grandpa started Lucky Tavern. Now, if you date this back, that was on, I wish Leonard was here right now. Uh, that was on 12th Street. And that's where he started. And my, uh, well, actually, he dates farther than that, back than that, than the Roma Bakery in 1923. Mm-hmm. Um, he came to America in 19, uh, 1917. He was 17 years old. But he started the Lucky Tavern. And my dad was in college. My dad was playing football. My dad was a big guy. Um, he was out in California playing uh, at St. Mary's. 
And he came home because my grandpa was running the Lucky Tavern, and it wasn't the best location, the best bar. Um, always problems, you know, guys drinking all night long, open till you know, all hours of the night and all. My dad came home and had to get him out of, the, out of that place, he said. And uh, and that's when he opened up uh, Jasper's. But the Lucky Tavern, I haven't heard that name for yeah. a while. I don't have a photo of the Lucky Tavern, but now are you going to mention I, another I, name also? Which one's Another that? bar. What's that? The Ship. No, I didn't. I, I didn't. You've heard of the ship, haven't oh, yeah. you? Well, my my dad, uh, my dad was part of the ship. If you look on the menu now, the owners now uh, give a little tribute to my father. Uh, he had the ship back in 1953, also. Okay. Before he opened up Jasper's. So way back in the day, you guys were. I read that you were one of the first two places to serve pizza in Kansas City. That's right. You know, there's. Uh, no point in debating which was first, but I mean, you're one of the first two. So no, that- I, I I really think that uh, Mr. Lusco, the Majestic, and my okay. father were the first. Uh, Paul Silvio, actually, yeah, right. and Antonio's, the original Antonio's. So that's just amazing. The history goes back. So when uh, w- at what point did Jasper's become a high-end restaurant? So it opened in 1954, 12 tables. Nan and Papa worked the restaurant. My mom would boil hard-boiled eggs and put them on the end of the bar, and that was the money she got every week. I remember my dad said the uh, he'd come home and he'd give her like $6 a week or $8 a week. You know, that was like a big thing back then. Yeah. And um, little by little, my dad wanted to do more, wanted to add on to the restaurant and rented the room next door to him and remodeled that one and added another room and finally bought the uh, the building for Mrs. Grigsby. Uh, J.L. McHugh was the uh, realtor. I still remember all that. Uh, in about 1965, 66, the restaurant was growing. My dad started doing takeout, not takeout, but that you could purchase in the grocery store hmm. before the TV dinners. Yeah. I still have all the old containers, uh, lasagna and chicken cacciatore and cocktail meatballs and uh, chicken marsala or veal marsala. Your office is like a museum. Oh, my God. Museum. How about it, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, But long story short, they would pack up everything on Saturday nights after work. They'd stay till 5, 6 in the morning and then come work on Sundays also. And my mom would deliver in her Corvair to the grocery stores, all the Paylesses and grocery stores huh. around town. Before frozen food was even heard okay. about. Had little directions on there, how to reheat and everything. And then... Around 1969 or so is my father's really wanted to, I think really not upscale, but really wanted to put the restaurant in a different direction and didn't want to be like everybody else. That was my father all the time, wanted to be different than everybody else. Um, and started adding on more veal dishes, started doing a little traveling. And uh, the first holiday award came out in 1972. And that was like, you know, the biggest award in the industry to have. And we received that. And from then on, my dad just kept remodeling the building, adding on dining rooms, tuxedoed waiters, and a lot of table side dishes at that yeah. time. Well, I've, I've read stories that people, uh, businesses would have their Christmas party at your place. Oh, yeah. And they they would say they had no idea how much wine they drank because as soon as they took one sip, there was a, a waiter in a tuxedo that would top off the glass. Everybody smoked back then, and yeah. you had ashtrays, and I was trained as a busboy. Uh, by Roy Craver was my dad's one of the, uh, one of the gentlemen in the, in, on the, in the dining room. And you held the ashtray in your hand and you grabbed and you put it on top of the other ashtray so ashes wouldn't blow anywhere. I mean, I'm going to say something now. You say it on, on the radio, but even in the urinals in the men's room, we put ice in there. Yeah. Uh, so there wouldn't be any splashback. How about that? Yeah. I mean, it was all the details. Back, back in the I mean, day. it's not something to talk about <laughs> on the food show, but well, yeah. no. my father was crazy about details and other restaurant tours, and he traveled on all of our friends in the restaurant business, just like me here in Kansas City. 
you know, some of the greatest restaurateurs, Mr. Eddie, my father's mentor, I think more than anything, though, this dates back to the, uh, to the airport. And we're talking about Mr. Gilbert. Okay. And my dad used to go down there and watch Mr. Gilbert and watch him after work, work this wheel. And on the wheel would be the orders. If you've come in my kitchen, you see that wheel okay. still there. Um, that reminds me, isn't there a story that, is there a story that you can share about conversation with your dad and him about chairs? Sure, of course. I, I have to clean up a little bit. Not yeah. Joe Gilbert, no. but Paul Robinson. Okay. My father uh, My father was very sick uh, in 1997. We had sold uh, Jasper's to Walgreens, the property, and all. we were moving to 103rd. And um, this is funny because uh, we went in different directions, and my dad kept telling me, Jay, you're not looking out there. You're not seeing what goes on at other restaurants around the country, around town. We only have our mind on fine dining and Italian restaurants. So Paul picked out a chair. We, we had Paul Robinson come in as a consultant. Paul was retired then. And then my father became very, very sick. And so my dad didn't actually get to see the new restaurant open. But Paul picked out this chair that was just like, no way. My dad said, are you serious? I can't sit in this. And he said, Jasper, he said, those are called 90-minute ass chairs. Can I say on the radio? I'm, I guess I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rocky didn't know yeah, what beat yeah, me yeah, off yeah. there. Yeah. You sit in the chair, 90 minutes, you're up. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you, 90 minutes, opening night, this restaurant turned. At Jasper's on 75th, we had a three-hour turn. On 103rd, 90 minutes. The boots are a little more comfortable. So people sit in the boots two hours. The private room, two and a half, three hours. But <laughs> Paul was right, just like he talked about the front desk. Leonard said, Paul, the front desk, this is, too, this is too congested here. When people come in, what do they go do? He said, that's the way I designed hula hands. Hula hands on one side, Plaza 3 on the other. You came in, it was always crowded, that front desk. It was, it was loud. He said, and that's what you want, but we're going to do it on a different level with an Italian restaurant. Opening night, Paul comes in. He couldn't get through the front door. The whole restaurant is just like, it couldn't move anywhere. And he looked at my brother, and my brother looked at him, and Leonard said, Controlled congestion, Paul. Very good. <laughs> so is it good or bad? Well, we've done yeah. several remodeling since then. But, you know, we've come a long, a long way since 1954. Yeah. Well, it Gilbert really Robinson, and we're eventually going to do series of shows on that, how they transformed the whole industry. Oh, there's no doubt about it. You know, I mean, because they, they did change, but it wasn't like Bennigan's or Chi-Chi's. I mean, they actually looked at every little detail like you were just talking about, you know, on the chairs and the... I didn't tell the you the story. Decks. Maybe I told you before about my dad was in New York having dinner one night. He's at uh, Maxwell's Plum. He looks over and there's Paul Robinson and Joe Gilbert. He looks, what are you guys doing? So we didn't know you were here and coming to, can uh, coming to New York. My dad said, yeah, we come up here often, you know, this night. He said, uh, he said, yeah, we're looking at this restaurant, Maxwell's Plum, Warner Leroy. He said, we're thinking about opening something in the old uh, Houlihan's uh, place on the corner there where he, uh, you know, the, he just closed that. And my dad said, really? What do you call it? Well, we have no idea yet. Houlihan's old place. And if you look at some of the pictures of Maxwell's Plum and Houlihan's old place, that was kind of the, the huh. idea behind it. You can see. All right. So uh, tell us just a, a, a quick story about your dad. And I want to hear another one about your mom. And, and the impact they had on Jasper's and what it is today. Uh, every day you come in the restaurant, you see a picture of mama and my father, of course, because, I mean, that's where it all began. Yes, Nana and Papa were behind them. Uh, they were a little bit older at the time. But uh, but it all started with my father. You know, he uh, he was not in the restaurant business from the beginning. It was not, that's not what he, I think my, my grandmother wanted him to be an attorney. My brother Salvatore is an attorney. My brother okay. Jim's an OBGYN, but... 
Um, so she got the, her wish there. But uh, my dad was not going to be in the restaurant business, and he kind of fell into it. So he didn't have the education behind that. His, he went to school for business, you know, and that, that was mm-hmm. it. I mean, you know, he didn't know anything about running the restaurant. So he fell into it, and he had to learn, and he had to teach himself. And if you, uh, if you come in the back room at Jasper's, I'll show you. When I tell you 2,500 cookbooks, I'm probably wrong. There's oh, probably I've more. Seen, yeah, I've seen that. And, uh, and at my house and in my garage, the ones I took from after Mama passed away that are still in my garage. But he's self-educated, and he taught himself. Here, I'm lucky. I went, to, uh, I went to culinary school. I went to University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Leonard went to Denver University. I got a marketing. I love that part. Leonard knows the business, believe me, front and back. Um, and Mama and Papa, you know, they're the ones who started this whole thing. And little by little, I mean, we still have recipes. We still have dishes on the menu. I cannot touch. I will not touch. Yeah. We don't change. So besides the hard-boiled eggs, what impact uh, did your mom have on the restaurant? Oh, so that's usually overlooked. her desserts, the dessert cart. Okay, everybody knows the coconut cake. Yeah, the, the strawberry, strawberry cake. I was gonna say strawberry mama's cake. cream puffs. These yeah. cream puffs I'm eating right now. That filling is my mama's. I almost brought a tear to my eye. I told you that yeah. a month ago when you brought me someone to the restaurant. Seriously, but mama, everybody knew her. Everybody last night, I did kind of feel bad. About nine thirty, a gentleman was having dinner. The waffler. He had a waffler truck, and he was visiting from Brussels, and he's looking around. He said. Only one thing missing. I said, how, how was dinner? He said, oh, the best, this and that. He said, but I don't see mom at the table anymore. He said, is she not feeling well? I said, no, mama passed away. Yeah. So from that day on when my mom passed away, I even told Julie at the front desk and one of the, uh, one of the uh, hostesses, I said, go ahead and sell that table. What? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, you know what? Might as well. And people love to sit there now. Yeah. But when you walk by, you saw my mom sitting there. Yeah. And believe me, if she had a cream puff, she would tell me. And she didn't care who was sitting with you, Toby. I'm telling you right now, she would tell you, um, what'd you do to the custard? <laughs> what? Did you use a yeah. I put vanilla beans in there yeah. one time. I thought it was cool to have a, a whole vanilla, not a yeah. whole, but, you know, have yeah. the vanilla beans to see yeah. them. And she said, that's not what we use. We use vanilla powder. Yeah. And, you know, it was certain things. And my mother knew t- the day before she passed away, she was on FaceTime. She was on the internet. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> she had her page. She had her her iPhone. Believe me, she was. Everybody knows about mom and Facebook. And she was. I I think she was a bigger impact on me in the kitchen than my father. My father. It, well, that's what we get the dish moto meal pasta moto meal. Moto meal means my way. There's only one way of doing things, and every employee knows that. That's Jasper's way. Yeah. I don't want a server to come in who's got. 40 years of experience. Right. You learn our, our way. way of doing things. So were you the first member of the family to get culinary training? Uh, no. Well, Leonard and I both went to uh, restaurant and hotels uh, management okay. school. Yeah. But I was more interested in the food side. You know, I remember right. when I was eight years old sitting on the counter yeah. at my nana's house, even six years old, and watching her prepare a dish with four or five ingredients. And then we'd sit down. Papa would come home from work and we'd eat dinner. It was like, wow, this is really cool to watch that. So when you went to culinary school, did some of your instructors hate having you there because you no, had not so much experience? No, I never told anybody. Need. Even I went to K State for uh, yeah for almost two years. I never told anybody that my father had a restaurant. Yeah, I wanted to be. You know, I even like going to cooking classes now. I'm going to one in New Orleans in September, and I want to sit in the corner and not tell anybody. Yeah. I try to. Get, I try to get by, and can't say it's harder for me to get by. Right. When I go out to a restaurant in town, I don't want to look at ideas. Right. I want to enjoy myself. 
I'm the same my, way. My I don't, I don't dissect a dish. I just enjoy. We never look at any yeah. restaurant around us. People say, oh, you're competition. No, I don't have competition. We have friends. Yeah. You know, my good friend yeah. Mike Donegan passed away from Stroud's. Right. You know, but I got along with a lot of restaurateurs like that. Every restaurateur. I look up to them on what they do. Michael Smith. Yeah. You know, Colby over at Rye. Yeah. I love what these people do and what they brought to the culinary scene in Kansas City because we've lost a lot of great ones also. Yeah. Yep. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. So one last question before we talk about some of the, the people that we've lost. So after you graduated from school, I know you traveled Europe for a while. Oh, sure. To learn things. So what was the first dish after you came back from Europe? And um, did you go all of Europe or just Italy? Uh, no, uh, mostly uh, Italy, but a little bit of concentration on France. Okay, so when you first came back, what was the first dish that your dad let you add to the menu? Uh, well, it had to be lobster cappuccino, and it was a mistake. I was, uh, I was at the James Beard House, the first Italian chef in America to be uh, chosen to go to the Beard House because it okay. was known as an American icon culinary mecca. And uh, my father told me a couple days before, we really got to be prepared, we really got to set this Right, and make sure that we let these people know that we're from Kansas City. The first thing they're going to think of is what? Barbecue and steaks. Yeah. Yep. You got to get their attention the minute they walk out the door, and we got to get their attention when they leave so they have a memory. And we were going to do a lobster bisque. No big deal. It was going to be kind of like our shrimp levernaise, but in a bisque style. And we prepared the dish. It's about 4.30, and I said, okay, I need 140 cups. They only seat like 60 people, but they put people on the three floors. They even had a room in the bathroom dressing area that you ate at. You had a table, and people wanted that. So they were overflowed. They went into the patio, and they said, Jasper, we don't have 60 cups. I said, what do you mean? I'm in trouble. Well, at that time, Ernesto Illy was one of my sponsors, and they had sent cups, uh, cappuccino cups and about five bags of espresso beans. And ding, ding, ding. I said, let's just use those cups. No big deal. I had never seen this before. To this day, I know that's where it started at with having the soup in cappuccino. I grabbed the cups. First course comes up. They're walking in. We hand them a cup of cappuccino, lobster cappuccino. And the foamer, you know, the, the steam, the milk mm-hmm. did not work. <laughs> I didn't panic. I had whipped cream for my dessert. I put a dollop of whipped cream on each one. It was sweet, sweet and savory, and it worked. I had no idea what I was doing at the time. So that was my, I think that's my mark on the menu today. Okay. Is a lot. My father's is still shrimp levernaise and Capella D'Angelo Alamani. Okay, so on the shrimp, can you give us a tip on how to make that? No. <laughs> if you, if my, my only thing with Simon Schuster and, and uh, Andrews McMeal, on the cookbook, I want a little sticker on the outside of the cookbook, does not contain the recipe for shrimp levernese, right. but we do get the recipe for nani sauce. Mama decided okay. after 65 years to do that. Is there any recipe I've ever done that you'd like to have? We can oh. work a trade. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> You're poor Keta. I'm not blowing smoke. You know how I feel about yeah. that. I've traveled to Italy, had it again in November. I will put it up against any poor Keta I've ever had, even as close uh. to Dario, to ch- at, at, at Dario's the famous Did you hear butcher. that, Toby? No, I'm being very honest with you. And those pickles get out of here. <laughs> See, I've never had pickles with, Toby, with porchetta. Toby, Toby told me to quit making them in January because that's a cold weather thing. <laughs> People, you know what? People <laughs> told us that about the pork shank. Yeah. yeah. Stop doing the pork shank in May. It's still the number one seller. I took it off last year by mistake yeah. in May. And I had a lot of people upset with us for about two weeks. We put it back on the menu. Yeah. Well, I, I, I made that decision too that the porchetta is on my menu 
every day of the year now. I mean, oh. it's just I'm, I, I can't not make it. No, yeah. when I get it, tell any- July. Yep. Nope. So, nope. <laughs> it's middle of the year. I, I, it's still my favorite, and not in Kansas City. The best I've had. Yeah. Seriously. Well, that was so much fun because we did that very first. We did the Arrowhead set. Sure, one. exactly. I think that was the first with the time bread, you had with the it, yeah. bread. Exactly. Yeah, that was I was good. there at eight in the morning waiting for it. All right. Well, let me ask you. So, one of the things that we talk about um, on this show are the the restaurants that we miss, and that's you know from the eighties and nineties. I talk about it, and oh, then yeah. it did take us long to figure out that you know that there's some legendary people, you know, that I want to interview. And my my greatest regret that I, I did not get on my show in time that was Carl DeCapo. Oh, you know I missed man. out on that. You know, and it's just it was just bad timing. You know, he uh, became ill right before my show started, so I was never able to do that. Do you have a good any good story about Carl DeCapo? Who he is and well, what sure. he meant to Kansas City. Our families go way way back. John David still bakes our cookies. Right. I want to have him and his sister on my show. Oh, eventually. they're great. John David is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I go down to see Mr. DiCapo. This is in the past 10 years. I go down and visit him at the, at the gardens, the new place, the carry out and, and, the, and the little storefront. And he'd be sitting at that table. And I always heard about the Sabenadiga table at the other restaurant. But here he had a new Sabenadiga table. Okay, what is that? <laughs> okay, the powdered sugar got me, just like okay. I say to everybody <laughs> on the cream puffs. I'm not yeah, going to eat the cream puffs inhale. again. Yeah, don't inhale. But I'll be honest with you. Talking to Mr. DeCapo and just listening to him, you know, about stories. Mm-hmm. And it was the only time I've ever been, my wife said, you didn't say one word there. No, I just listened to him man talk because he knew everybody. He was a politician, but you never knew if he was a Democrat or Republican. He was a restaurateur, of course. Everybody loved him. He gave back so much to the community. And that's what it's all about. And I, I found, you know, later on, maybe after a few years of, of really getting to know him a little bit better, that's what it's all about. It's not about the amount that's in your checkbook. Yeah. Seriously, you think about it. It's about how you come across to other people, maybe who you can mentor. Gus Reedy, and I'm not changing the subject, but Gus Reedy. You know Sam Stevie here? Mm-hmm. Sam Stevie's grandpa's Gus Reedy. Okay. I'll never forget the day last uh, December I got the phone call that Gus had passed away. Gus was more of a mentor to me. His wife, Laverne, we absolutely loved them. They had Labona Bears. Okay. I put them in the same class as, as Carl DeCapo. So, um, who, after the show, I, I want to sit down with you, and I want I want your help. I want to find other people that are like Carl DeCapo that are still around that we need to share their stories. Okay, so we'll do that as a separate subject, as a separate thing. So, who else out there um, do you think played a huge role besides your family? You know, and the food scene in Kansas City. Well, I have to tell you, uh, Lesson Lloyd Stevenson. Okay. Of course, with Stevenson's, yep. uh, I think them more than and than anybody. People don't realize they were one of the first. I mean, we're talking, you know, we're dating back, you know, to the to the forties. Mm-hmm. Uh, even before that, though, you know, you had some old school restaurants that, that people even I think they've even forgotten about uh, here in Kansas City. There was a restaurant that everybody uh, used to go to back in the uh, back in the fifties and sixties, Breton's. Has anybody ever brought that up on the show? Uh, yeah, that's come up a couple times. Bretons. But why do you th- why did that make a difference? Well, I think it was more of a the first you know you, you, it's a night out in the town. It was something that that people hadn't experienced much in Kansas City before, other than the cafes and and restaurants mm-hmm. and food halls and that. So it was a place you get dressed up and you go out. You where are you going? You're going to Bretons. That was like a big deal. My father mm-hmm. used to say. Uh, there's so many restaurant tours though over the time, but you know a lot of people forget about the Union Station. And a lot of people forget about Fred Harvey. 
And even though Fred Harvey wasn't from Kansas City, the Union Station, the Fred Harvey, the Harvey girls, who when they closed, my father hired four of the ladies who were with the Jaspers until 1975, 76. Ruth and Mary and Bernice uh, and Mary T. Those ladies were mm-hmm. part of Roz. They were part of Jaspers. So you have a lot of restaurateurs that date, you know, back in the 60s. I'm 61 years old, so I can go back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, People, you know, who've been been around, who had an influence, you know, in the background also, who worked for Gilbert Robinson all those years also. Right. That you didn't see him. I mean, look at Paul Corey and Bill Crooks and what they did for the industry, okay. you know, leaving leaving Gilbert Robinson and opening up their restaurants. Yeah. Well, the very first one you mentioned was Lloyd Stevenson. Oh, yeah. So, okay, why did you go there first and how did they change? I mean, what did they do different that really changed? Well, you have to read a story I wrote for the Kansas City Star about okay. that also. But also uh, going there, you know, on a Sunday drive or Monday night, because my Monday night was my dad's night off. And uh, it seemed like it was hours getting there. But we'd get there and you'd walk in and you get that little apple cider, that cup of apple mm-hmm. cider, you know. And how they changed the industry. I don't think they changed anything. I think what they did was they brought country fine dining to this area, to Independence, to Kansas City. And but just their but their detail attention to detail was more than anything. We talked before, you know, about the little parsley and the cheese. It looked like a carrot. Every time you went there, it was always exactly the same thing. And my father, and depending on what room you ate in, you know, one was fine dining with the tablecloths and all, but always the food never ever changed, not one single time. Well, that's interesting because that's back then, you know, the homestyle food was in the local cafe. Exactly. You know, neighborhood exactly. cafe or in a small town, something like that. So they took that concept and, and executed it on a larger level. And I, I think more than anything, what they did was they made it here in Kansas City as a destination to go there. Now, did, did they use a Harry Sherman uh, used to eat there? No, but it was from Independence, you know. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about that with Dixon's Chili, same thing. Yeah. You know, where, where you had endorsements from people. Uh, that ate there, you know, and restaurants that date back. I still think now, if I'm wrong, let me know. I think Dixon's is still the oldest place in Kansas City. Am I correct? Um, it's close. It's a, 102 it's years close old. Between them and the um, um, Irish, the um, oh uh, Browns, yeah, Browns Irish. Oh, stuff. I didn't think about Browns. Yeah, I mean, the two sure, of them we kinda, never think about that. They, they trade stories back and forth as far as who's. I'm not gonna. I, I just call them the two oldest. Okay, I didn't realize. Yeah. That. I never think about yeah. Browns. That's but, you know, it's funny. You know, uh, you mentioned uh, Dixon's Chili. You know, you and I both go there. Oh yeah, every once in a we while. We brought my son law there for the first yeah, time last and, month, and we take a picture and, and we both post it on social media. Sure. And I'm sure I get grief for it. Oh no, you know, people go, "How are you going to go eat there for chili?" I said. I said, I have so much respect for their longevity. That's right. You know, for sticking to it, doing what they do. I said, you know, it's maybe I can get an individual dish that they make better somewhere else. But, you know, but but you can't replace that history. No. You know, that, you, with, you, that chi- with the chili, with the onions and the ketchup, yeah. you know, come on. Yeah. They fine you for eating yeah. that like oh, yeah. a good. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mixing the vinegar and the chili powder yeah. on. That's my favorite. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So it's a uh, who do you, do you think um, – Change the way you look at things. I mean, I love the idea of the Stevensons. You know that that's that's a big deal, though. Taking homestyle country food, and I think the the Gilbert Robinson. That's kind of what they did. They tried to figure out what worked on that one. Well, we talk about Chinese. Let's yeah. talk about Asian. Let's talk about Richard from Bolines. Uh, you know? Do you, uh, who who were uh, one of the earlier Chinese restaurants? Joy Joy Luck on the Plaza was okay. a big one at the time. Uh, everybody used to go down there. There was another one downtown in 
My brother Leonard is texting me, so I don't know if he can, uh, if he okay. if he knows it or not. So he will tell me in a second here. Well, you know what? Um, the, the early people I have respect for. So next week, I'm going to have Kathy Quinn on. Oh, and her grandmother. Sure, come started on. Started Las Palmas, on, which was the first Mexican on restaurant. on 85th Street. Of yeah. course, I've no. We used to we Christ the King was our church. Okay, but we go way back with the Quinn family. Yeah. Absolutely love them. You know, I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing stories because when you're the first in area doing something, sure. There's, there's hurdles that you got to pass that nobody else does. There is. And, you know, my, my mom and dad always talked about that. I mean, people didn't realize that when my mom and dad first started out, my dad didn't have a lock on his front door, couldn't afford a, a, a lock. It didn't work. So they used a screwdriver. <laughs> and I have that written in the cookbook, you know, stories like that about people. You know, you think it's all, you know, you know, big cars and, and yeah. fancy restaurants today and this and that and big homes and all. It's not. I mean, you have to remember those things. And I try to instill that. In my uh, in my nephews who are next in line for the restaurant, I call my little great nephew, uh, the newest one, Jasper. I call him the heir apparent. You try to instill things like that into uh, into them. Well, you know, it's um, I, 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 there's a lot of texts on here. I'm going to print this off and I'll email oh, it to you, you later today. Read me a few. I'll answer oh, a couple. No, no it's, it's just just a lot of people. There are two different people comparing you and EBT. Oh my gosh! Of two, course. Um, Class act, top fine dine, fine Eddie Holland, in of course. City. Oh gosh, we had him on our show. That was, I think, maybe fourth or fifth show that we did. Exactly. And it was just, and that was one of the few that was a corporate owned. Everybody sure, else sure. that we've talked about, but he made it. You didn't know that unless no, you, you did knew, not. Unless you kind of knew it was Kemper, and you knew yeah. it was the restaurant that ran at the company yep. that ran at Myron Green and all. Yeah. Five minutes into the show, you understood why EBT was so. Uh, it was through the sheer power of his personality. His attention to detail. Okay, the first thing I do in any city I go to, I Google iconic restaurant. Okay. I'm leaving for uh, Palm Beach in a couple of weeks again, and first thing I do, I always look for the oldest place. My daughter was in Jacksonville. We found the oldest chicken house. If we're driving, Lisa and I, if we're going, uh, you know, on a long road trip, each city I stop in, I find the oldest restaurant. People call me, they text me, hey, I'm in such such. What's the in, where, you, where would you recommend? When we were in Italy, oh, I drove a few of my friends. We had three nights off in Italy from my culinary adventure. And those three nights, we ate at one restaurant that dated back to 1755. How about that? So uh -huh. I'm always looking for iconic restaurants that, I mean, come on, here in America, 1755. I think there's one in, uh, in Boston, maybe. That's it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you really need to respect the history. Oh, there's you know, no the doubt. So one of the things, the most popular, popular topic on our show is fried chicken. You know, I've had some of the old places, and I don't want to talk about current places. You know, there's there's restaurants that do fried chicken on a certain day of the week and do it well. But, you know, you had the old fried chicken places, uh, John Francis. We sure. talked about that. You know, the original Strouds. You know, um, what were some of the other ones? The that, Green Parrot. Yeah, the Green Parrot. Green Parrot. Yep, people talk about that. How about the Wishbone? Yep, the Wishbone. All right, so I, I don't want to talk about any of the current places because, you know, that's hard to discuss you sure, know, politically. Sure, of but, course. But the general consensus is that everybody agrees that you just can't get fried chicken like you did in the 80s, 70s, 80s, and early 90s. Okay. I mean, I've heard this show before. Some of your yeah. guests before we talked about this. I mean, if you want to talk about the chicken itself, yeah. or do you want to talk about the oil that we fried well, I, in? I, I think the number one thing is the quality of the chicken. That's it. You just hit it right there. Yeah. I mean, I go to some of the local stores, and you'll see chicken that looks like, I don't know what they fed these guys. Yeah. But they must weigh three, four pounds, yeah. five. I mean, they're outrageous yeah. and they're too big. And yeah. you know what? You can't get the flavor. I look, I'm not advertising for anybody. There's a brand out there called Smart Chicken. Right. There's small little wings. Yeah. 
the small drumettes, and that is the best for me yeah. because Lisa Fry's chicken, and that's uh, that's is my favorite. Is there anybody in town besides Rye that uses field raised heritage chickens like they do? Oh, I think a lot of a lot of the chefs. Uh, are they do it. Yeah, town company. He because because uh, Rye catches a lot of heat because their breasts are scrawny. That's what they complain about. But you know, I think I think part of the problem is us as consumers. You know, we've gotten so spoiled by the big, fat, juicy breasts, exactly, which is not natural. That's no, not what that's not what we had in the seventies and eighties. No, it's not. And here's the whole thing behind that. And I don't think people realize. You know, when today the buyer, uh, when we're when we're purchasing. We don't have the choices like we used to have, first right. of all, especially after COVID and all. But it's not just all about that. It's what you, what you, your specifications. And my father was very particular about that. And Leonard, every Friday and Saturday, that's his job. That's what he does, him and Jay. They sit there and they order. And if we can't get a certain, this, we'll start looking for it. You know, we have, we'll search and search until we find it. Because some people say, oh, well, I can't get it this week. I'll just buy from this company. Or I'll buy, or what's the cheapest? Yeah, you know, and that's that's a part of the problem also. Yeah, pricing is a big problem, but also how about the oil that you fry it in? I mean, yeah. we're talking about chicken. I realize oh, yeah, that. Yeah, but well, the okay, oil is a big thing. Oil, I want to ask you about the oil, but on the chicken because do you know how long it takes to raise a chicken to harvest weight now? Oh sure, it used to be six. It, it's six weeks now, isn't it? Yeah, it's less than forty days. Yeah, so I mean, do, it's, it's less than forty days from hatch to when they harvest it. And it used to be. Yeah, yeah, over 60 days, 60 yeah, exactly. to 70 days. Exactly. You and know, and it and that makes a difference on the flavor. So when I started Slow Food in Kansas City, I, uh, I brought where I wanted to bring all the local farmers and food artisans like to do in Italy and around the country and honor these people and let people know about them. We didn't have heritage chicken back, okay. you know, in the day. All right, so... Someday in the future, I want to have a panel discussion. Oh, I'd like sure. to bring you in. You got to get, get Frank Reese in there okay. who raised the heritage chicken. Okay, in so Kansas. let's get him. I'd like to get Colby in. Oh, sure. You know, I, I just want to talk about that so we can kind of understand that because that's people ask and think it's restaurants aren't trying. The chicken show, Toby. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's longer. So we'll do that one. So um, is there anybody else that's been iconic in the past that you've got the microphone that we want to, that we that we can honor right now? Today, I mean, seriously, and a lot of people forget about this. We talk about barbecue. Okay. Everybody knows Arthur Bryant's and all right. that, you know, but how about Jack Fiorella and Russell Fiorella? Okay. Russ Fiorella, the original smokestack. Tell me about them because uh, people have asked. Dear family friends. Okay. Uh, I remember on Friday nights going over to Fiorella's house on the on 112th and Warnell, and uh, Mr. Fiorella would come home with barbecue at midnight. And we'd have barbecue back then. And really, that was not before Gates because Gates had just opened up on State Line. But I didn't know about other barbecue places. I was raised on Jack Stack Barbecue. What time frame is this? Uh, in the early 70s. Okay. Late 60s, early 70s. Because we did a show on uh, on Hayward Spears. Sure. Because there was quite a few of us that that was the first barbecue place that we really fell in love with. Exactly. Because Hayward, I think they were the first in Johnson County. And he was the first one, but he, Hayward Spears was always in the in the dining room. Oh, sure, but people don't realize Jack Stack, which was Smokestack, mm -hmm. dates back, you know, over off of, uh, oh, my gosh, I can't think of the uh, where they were over. So what uh, did he do different besides the? Well, first of all, he didn't have a telephone. How about that? Okay. He only took cash. All right. Number two. Uh, no carry out, just like uh, what was the chicken place next to on on the hundred and third by my dad's uh, restaurant? The two names, Boots and Coats. Okay, boots you brought and coats. your own little containers, yep. and if you wanted carry out back yeah. then, 
We've we've had I've had quite a few calls on that. But there was, you know, again, the attention to detail and consistency. And that's to me, my brother Leonard says that every single day in the restaurant. It has to be the same. When people come in, you they remember it and you better be exactly the same. Seventy one highway, my brother Leonard just sent it. That was the original smokestack. Yeah. You know, there's so much we can learn from other places. Told me before we ran out of time. Did you have a question for Jasper on anything? Because, yeah, when tiramisu is coming. <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> you are going to get tiramisu. Believe oh my me, my friend. I promise It'll you. It'll be good. My favorite dessert. Is it really? Uh, oh yeah. I so I have something new I've been doing. I, I've tested it for a couple of parties. I did it uh, two weeks ago for a, a private room where uh, I do a tiramisu table side. I'm not going to start that at the restaurant. But I, I did it for a private party where I uh, I brought out the uh, the Savardetti, uh, the little lady fingers, and I had the espresso mocha pot. Okay. And I soaked it right in front of everybody. <sighs> and then on the bottom of the pot, I had inside of that also, I had my crema and that egg custard that you put on top of yeah. it. And then I layered it. And I just did it in front of everybody and a little bit of cocoa. And then some shavings of chocolate on it. I had it in Italy, and people could watch it on TikTok now. It's kind of like you know making the pasta in the big uh, the big wheel of uh, Parmesan. Oh. It's kind of hot right now on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, from um, Ed Holland EBT, you, you do the you do the table side on the on the Caesar salad. Sure, sure. And we, that that was a big thing that I've I've I'm openly t- I tell everybody that when I created my Caesar salad, my inspiration was both you and Ed. Oh, thank you, and thank EBT. You. But um, what, one of the things they miss from EBT is doing the steak sure. table side. How come you don't do that? That was a big thing that we used to do. I'll be honest with you why I don't do mozzarella. We call it mozzarella Lollapalooza, right. the table side mozzarella. Believe me, from April 15th, that's the only good thing about tax day, until late September, right. we go nonstop six days a week from 5 p.m. People are waiting for the table side mozzarella. Right. And I'm not asking about that. I'm asking about the steak. I know, but I'm just saying, but we don't have, I don't, I can't do it. I mean, I could train people to do it also, but you know what? It takes me away from everything else in the dining room. And we've kind of made our own name, of course, with table side mozzarella, but doing the table side steak is a lot of work. It doesn't look like it. Oh no. It's like the carving, the the Chateaubriand table side. Yeah. And it's just that it's something that went away at the old restaurant and we left it there. And that's one thing we've done table side Caesar. Right. We do pop-ups. Yeah. We like to tease people with that. Yeah. But uh, doing the table side uh, flambe, uh, that's uh. tough. I do crepes once in a while for a special party. Yeah. Strawberries roaming off. And I'm old school. I was cooking there and, I, and, my, and the guys were in the kitchen there looking at some of the sauces. Said, Jay, you never make that. No, because it's, it's a different time now. Yeah. And they were, why don't you put this sauce back on the menu? Because there's 36 entrees on the menu yeah. now. Yeah. We tried to take one entree off a couple months ago. And I got a lot of heat over it. All right, so let's forget about the steak as an entree. You're, you've got, <laughs> you've got a, a, a pretty good menu on, on your entrees. Thank you. So how about the bananas foster? Oh, Did, one of my Ed's favorite. Ed's told the stories. Remember um, Ed was telling a story about setting off the fire alarms? Yes. Sprinklers and getting a call from... Come on. So we never had that problem, but, you know, the, uh, Have the you Bananas ever done Foster that? set the alarms off. No, no, uh, that may uh, do Bananas Foster. Oh, that was a specialty. Size. Crepes, grapes, grand before. Yeah. Bananas Foster, of course, came from down in New Orleans from Brennan's. Um, we used to always, I just did it a couple weeks ago for some family and friends. My absolute favorite. How about you do it for just like your slowest month of the year? I Just uh, do that. Leonard's listening right now. I'm still the baby in the family. Leonard never makes that decision. So, so, really? All Jay right. and Leonard will say no. All right. So Maybe in January on a cold, okay. snowy week, I'll well, do I'll, it. Okay. Let's, I want to bring you back in studio. Bring Leonard. 
since you're saying he's the decision maker on some of this stuff. I thought you'd be able to make decisions. Then I, I can want, make decisions. I, I, want you to bring, I want you to bring Lisa. Bring Lisa. Because, I mean, no, because it's so no funny. filter, Lisa. No, you'll have a. Oh no, I'm all right. They're with not that. here. But it, it's I. I love visiting with the two of you at the same time. She keeps you humble. Oh yeah. She I, she has no problems cutting you off. She she we were doing an interview with New York Times. You know what she told the editor? Uh uh-uh. uh She said, "Oh, she said, uh, don't don't worry. When he comes home, he puts the trash out." <laughs> I love to watch him take the trash out to the curb. Yeah. So do our neighbors. Well, thanks a lot, Lisa. Well, it's just so funny is that uh, she does to you what Sherry does to me. Oh, yeah. Come on. And it's so funny is just that uh, she said something that Jasper just got real quiet and she just started going. It's just, I was like, oh, I got to have her on too. I'll be married uh, 35 years in two weeks and uh, I've been with her for 42 years. Oh. So um, we've been been together for a little bit. Would you rather have, have her on the show with you here? Or me have her on my show without you? No, she won't come on the show. She oh, won't. You don't think so? People, she's working as a hostess only because I said, "Hey, come on in and see some people." I haven't seen you since the baby came back well, to Kansas City. Well, you I want, want you to see do, people? I'll have Sherry talk to her, and then yeah, we'll let them both can come on. Yeah, we'll have them do it, and then you and I go go eat somewhere. Uh, hey, how about this? Uh, our friends from the Capo. Oh yeah, John David is yeah. texting me right now. Tell me about uh, Jack Stack was on Prospect, yeah. and don't forget the house of toy on the plaza. <laughs> how about it? Well, good. Was there anything else you want to say before we close out the show? Uh, you know what? You have to love what you're doing. Um, when I leave here, I'm going to stop and see my friend Jack over at uh, over the Snack Shack only okay. because yep. he reminds me of myself at that age. I text him. He texts me four or five times a week. Snack Shack over on Johnson. They moved over. They to- were on Santa Fe. Now they're okay. on Johnson Drive. For those of you that missed the classic smash burger from the yep. eight, 70s and 80s, go down there. And seriously, he's just – I see myself uh, – at his age right now yeah. and what he's doing. And I, I try to mentor him because I, I was lucky. I can't thank everybody enough for all the people who mentored me, but more than anything, my family, because you know what? When it comes down to it, that's where it all is at. It's Good. all family. Well, Jasper, it has been unbelievable joy to have you here on the show with I'm me. I'm honored to be in the room here with no, both of you, I with just, Toby and you. Come on, you know, seriously. I, I, I wanted to have you on my show, but I decided that day one I was going to wait until my show found its feet. And it's identity before I had, because I didn't want to waste your time. Why didn't you mention tiramisu when you were? (laughs) Yeah, come on. I'm sitting there eating the cream puff. I should have tiramisu (laughs) for you. I should have brought sausage sandwiches. You're going to get a special delivery, you guys. Stay tuned for part two. Anything else you want to say, Toby? Tiramisu. Do you like this? Jasper is amazing. Oh, thank you, Toby. I appreciate it, sir. My mom's favorite place to go. You're too kind. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. This is, I'm going to cherish this forever. That's it. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye. Was that fast? How about that? And I say it all the time. This concludes this broadcast of Kansas City Food Memories.